welcome back to another special episode of Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. This is episode 110, and I'm joined on the line by oh Lux. Lux may join us later, folks. Um, he's 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 unavailable. It's it's just two twice in a week. It's a little bit of uh, a little bit much. So um, we'll 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 hold out hope that Lux arrives. But I'm not here by myself tonight, unlike last time. On the line by our esteemed friend from the Lotus Council. He's a judge. He's got a dreamy voice for radio. Please welcome to the show, Judge Liam. Liam, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh man, I'm sweaty right now. I'm sweaty. So all of a sudden, they turned the heat up here in Ontario, and it went from like being chilly and cold to being swamptastic. So mm. like we're talking like high humidity, you know, almost forty degrees Celsius with the humidity today. It was a little unbearable. And for those of that, us who live in the ice and snow, to go from like minus twenty, you know, Celsius not that long ago to plus forty today, it's it's a bit much. So I am sweaty. <laughs> That's yeah, that, that sounds less than pleasant for sure. It's hot here, but it's kind of dry, so it's not so bad. Yeah, no, it's definitely not dry here. It's like you could cut the air with a knife. It's gross. Yeah, no, and that's uh. That's that's what we complain about here in Ontario when we when the when, when the summer does roll in, and particularly in July when it's really really hot, um, it's 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 often high humidity that comes along with it. The best part, get this, um, I know in the United States, many of you have, who have children who are school aged are out of school. Um, yes, I don't know. Uh, here in Ontario, we're we're still going to class. So our kids are sitting there in their classrooms sweltering because um, our last day of class is Thursday of next week. So we got to get through a little bit more of this before we're done and officially done and dusted for the summer. So it's a little rough, <laughs> a little rough. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I can't complain too much. I, uh, we, we, we live through the winter. So if, we, if, we're, if you're going to trade off, having that brutal winter that we've got you gotta like take the good with the bad right so the good is the summertime and the bad's the the bad's the brutal winter so anyway it is what it is um but yeah um anyway how's life with you i uh i hear you have a new addition to the family uh yeah things are things are pretty good over here i'm a little bit sleep deprived so if i uh start searching for words uh sorry about that Uh, i have a a, a four-week-old newborn uh, his name is Daniel, and he is—he's—he's uh, a, he's a gas man. <laughs> I'm sure he's cute as a button. I'm, I have no doubt, and uh, you're a proud papa, no doubt. Proud papa. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, a little bit of uh, housekeeping, and then we're going to get right on with the show because uh, we're recording pretty late for me. It's uh, you know evening for you west on the west coast, there, Liam. But uh, here in uh, in Ontario, it is 11.35 at night, so I think it's burning the midnight oil here. So um, if, if you like the show or you want to hear more or you want to find all of our old episodes, you can always go find them at thelotuscouncil.com. They are available there free of charge for you to go and find and, uh, and, and hear all of our back episodes. I hope you do do uh, check it out. Uh, it is uh, a, you know, a great uh, a resource, and they've been very kind to us at the Lotus Council to, uh, 
to offer that up for us. There's also other great things you can find at thelotuscouncil.com. You can find, uh, uh, beyond the podcast, you can find a Discord that is full of great people like to chat, uh, answer rules questions, talk about uh, ideas for new decks, or set up webcam games, or other uh, interesting activities. Sometimes they have box breaks. They just had some of those recently. Uh, Auctions and other fun stuff. So uh, come and check out the the, the Council.com. The link to the Discord is in the show notes. And I think you're going to be really pleased with what you find if you come and check them out. Lots of lovely people uh, who love to talk about magic and love to talk about EDH. So come and check them out and see for yourself. All right, uh, Liam, tonight we're going to have um, our uh, our show in three segments. We're going to have segment one, which is going to be a little bit garbage or great. And then segment two, we're going to dive into some of the rules and uh, other other ancillary goodies to go along with uh, Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. I know that feels a little bit outdated, folks, because we're already rolling into Double Masters 2 previews, but let's be real. Double Masters coming out on the heels of Baldur's Gate so quickly is unholy. It is a disaster. So, anyway, um, we're going to go through the rules to make sure that you, when you open up your, your fun new Commander Legends cards, you know what to do with them and you're not, and you're not breaking the rules. Uh, and then we're going to... Uh, um, move into some more specific questions around particular uh particular cards and interactions and then we're gonna get on out of here so are you ready liam i'm ready okay so tonight's uh card is a card called change of fortune which is three and a red for a sorcery discard your hand then draw a card for each card you distracted this turn it was a rare out of it looks like crimson vow um and I was wondering, do you think this card is garbage, or do you think it is great? I think maybe as part of a combo, this could work. I, like, just on its face, it's a really bad wheel. So I don't think it's that good, to be honest. So uh, as someone who, um, who has increasingly found myself looking for this effect, there is a couple of commanders that really lean into this ability. So, for instance, this card plus Riel, the Everwise, is insane. Like, you just... So, if you... So, with Riel in play, if you proceed to cast Change of Fortune, you end up discarding... Let's say you have four cards in hand. You discard four, draw four, and then Riel's replacement ability triggers and you draw four more. You really... So, you just went from... You spent four mana to get to draw eight cards... And sure, you discarded four, but you ought, in Commander, we often have so much access to our graveyards through whatever shenanigans, whether it's um, uh, Underworld Breach or Flashback cards or uh, Delve or whatever, like whatever we want to do with our graveyards. And usually your graveyard is a great, a great a- a resource for you to the point that we end up all having to pack nasty graveyard hate in our decks or else you probably are going to lose so i'm of the opinion this card is actually like sneaky great um i put in the show notes there audience you can't see it i can um this card <laughs> i i have the edh rec stats so you can see how many decks people are playing this in um so they're playing this in in over five thousand decks already crimson Val came out last last autumn it was like november i'm pretty sure and so it goes in a whole bunch of all the black red commanders. Um, like Angie Falconrath is kind of nuts with this one. 
um, all the madness. So if you're playing the madness deck, you're like loving this. Uh, Riel the Everwise is pretty sweet. Um, Olivia Crimson Bride, if you discard creatures to your to your graveyard, you are then going to be able to reanimate them with Olivia. Um, Locust God just makes us nuts because you're like you're pitching things and making bugs, and then you're going to smoke the table. Um, you can so there's a lot of different commanders that sort of lean into this ability. Um, others, some are are not very good. I I will I will freely admit. But like the madness, the real, the locust god, so black, red, and 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 is it colored uh, commanders are really going to dig this card. And then they printed a little uncommon in Kamigawa that takes this card from being kind of good to being insane is containment construct. Are you familiar with containment construct? I am not. So containment construct allows you. So it's. Uh, I'm going to pull it up and read the card uh, text the, for you because this card, I believe, is going to be a game changer. So containment construct says whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. So containment construct gives you access to those cards you just pitched. Um, and again, it's any madness deck or heavy discard deck construct and i think this card is a game changer because all these bad wheels that we would deem as being bad wheels and only play them in a select number of decks now get to recoup all the cards that they've just pitched pitched to their graveyard so mm. i'm kind of in the opinion of this card like like sure you need a particularly niche deck like you're, you got it you've got to be in a heavy discard um or like like the real the locust gods where you're just like you're just looking the raw number of cards you can draw and then this card is kind of insane so i'm a big fan of this sort of card um like i yeah i think this card is actually really really very good um and think it's actually great so i appreciate like you know i know you're not a, a commander player and i'm probably like as, as i know you liam like you play a lot of limited so from a limit in a limited game this card is garbage like you're not drawing this in a limited game and saying, "Oh, sweet, here we go." Like if you get <laughs> no. if you open this pick pick like pick one pack one, you're not picking it. Like you're just like, right. no, I'll I'll pick the I'll pick the uncommon. But in yep. Commander, this is a powerful enabler that is going to do dumb stuff. So, hmm. um, it's it's interesting like how like I know your experience as a limited player and as a judge. Makes you look at it in one way, and like I'm looking at it from a very different perspective. It's that's why I like having you on to like to discuss because we you're coming from it from a very different perspective. Hmm. I don't know. So yeah, no, I was looking at the EDH rec, EDH EDH rec page, and I see these top commanders that it's being used in, and it doesn't make sense in these decks like Neheb Dreadhorde Champion. I mean, that is that makes this card like amazingly powerful. Yes, yeah, it makes a pile of mana. Yeah, so it's like, so yeah, like you, like I can appreciate in a limited in a limited game, you're not playing this card. You're not. You're it, you're right. like, you're just not because it's objectively bad and limited. But with these some of these commanders, you are doing dumb things, dumb, 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 and like, like, yeah. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. so okay, that makes sense. I think it's good. That's my that's my own talk. That's my own thoughts. Anyway, um, okay. 
So let's get on to some Baldur's Gate goodies because uh, there's some mechanics I want to talk about and then we're going to get into some specific cards um, and see if I can uh, bend your brain a little bit as a, uh, and make you really earn your keep as a judge. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, Band of Legends Baldur's Gate has come out there, folks. It's been out, been out for a little over a week, I believe. Um, we've now seen on through the previews, we have a look at everything. And there's some interesting new mechanics that are coming with the set. Um, and so I thought Liam might help us explain, uh, help us explain and understand what some of the mechanics might be doing so that we understand uh, how they might interact and what we can do with them. And more importantly, what we can't do with them because uh, that's also an important part of knowing what these cards are able to do. So the first mechanic is backgrounds. Which I think is an interesting, and I have a I have a, a blurb right out of the the the, the release from Wizards uh, as they're trying to explain what it was. Um, do you want to have you as a judge seen anything more more sophisticated in terms of uh, explaining backgrounds and what the blurb here, or just want to want to want to read it out here? I don't know. Uh, no, I mean that's uh, that's pretty much it. Right, uh, so- backgrounds. Go ahead. Oh, backgrounds are a new type of enchantment. Legendary background cards represent the story that brought your commander to the point where we find them now. Each one of those, each one gives your commander a bonus that will help them and therefore help you in the game. Most often, this bonus comes in the form of an ability your commander gains or a boost to their power and toughness. Um, so that doesn't really describe it particularly well, but it's something that it's a it's an enchantment that plays in your command zone that you can then cast benefit of your commander correct yeah important to note though that it doesn't have to uh, live in your command zone you can also put this in the 99 or 98 whatever the case may be agreed agreed um you could do it that way the i think the interesting piece of this one their audience if you're at all familiar with the partner mechanic from oh wow what year was that but with the the very broken partner mechanic and it was and it was in um commander legends the first time around too you could now pair um, multiple cards together to create your new color identity. This works in the same way. The backgrounds now give you a color identity um, based on like your commander plus the enchantment. So if you had a red commander and a black background, you now have a uh, have a Rakdos deck, which I think is more than anything the most appealing part of these particular things um, because they now create almost infinite combinations of decks that you can now mix and match and build to your to your to your heart's desires so um i think i might have just jumped ahead uh and <laughs> taken from from the choose a background component but uh anyway i i think the backgrounds are really interesting folks think of them like partners uh for your commander but your commander needs to say choose a background which is the next mechanic what is choose a background, Liam? Still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Are you still there? Uh, oh. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, okay. So what does choose a what does the choose a background wording on a card mean? Uh, choose a background basically says that this uh, legend can be your commander, and it can have a paired background card, the legendary enchantment that we just spoke about, uh, 
uh, in the command zone with it. And your color identity for your deck is the combination of both the legendary creature, who is your commander, and the background. Excellent. So, again, cool stuff. Think of it like partner. Functions pretty similarly. Um, now, you don't get the, 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 the ability if your commander is not on the battlefield, but your background is. Um, but uh, they are pretty cool. Um, all right, next we have the initiative. And I cut and pasted a big, long chunk of text out of this thing because it was so wordy. What the initiative is. What is this initiative? Initiative. Uh, initiative. I don't see the big chunk of text, but well, the I initiative. Put a, I, put, I put a hyperlink in it, and you can have, you have to scroll oh. the actual. I see. And so... Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so the initiative is, is basically... what I, I think it's a variant of the uh, Monarch mechanic. Basically, one player in the game can have the initiative at any given time. Uh, it, is a, it is a status, so it is not have, it's not a token. It is not a... Uh, what are those cards that Planeswalkers give you? A, um, uh, t- uh, an emblem. An emblem, right. It's not an emblem. Uh, it's, it's a status like being the Monarch. So there are two ways to get the initiative. Uh, I'm sorry, three ways to get the initiative, because, like Monarch. Uh, you can either cast a spell that says you gain the initiative. Uh, when you gain the initiative, you can... Uh... Sorry. The second way to get the initiative is to attack a player who has the initiative. So much like Monarch, if you deal combat damage to, that, to a player who has the initiative, you take the initiative. And the third way to get the initiative is if a player who currently has the initiative leaves the game. Uh, when that happens, the player whose turn it is takes the initiative. Uh, yeah, otherwise, if, if the player left the game on their own turn, then the next active player gets the initiative. So once somebody has the initiative, uh, then they get some cool bonuses. Right. And so uh, the initiative lets you go through a dungeon which is specific to Baldur's Gate and the initiative mechanic, which is called the Undercity. And you can only go access it through the opportunities where you have the, gaining the initiative or you take it from an opponent. Um, all the other dungeon mechanic cards from uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, don't work in conjunction with it, unless I'm mistaken. Is that right? That's correct. So the initiative and uh, the Undercity pair exactly with each other. They're, they're the only things that interact with each other. Right. And so you cannot use it, use like any of the enter, like, adventure into the dungeon cards to go through the Undercity. You have to use the initiative and cards that say you gain the initiative, which... Is a limiting factor here, folks, and I, I think it's a little bit strange. Um, now, can I, if I'm not mistaken, can I use my, if I am already venturing into another dungeon, get told to enter into like the under or take the initiative, could I use that to continue the dungeon I'm currently in? Uh, unfortunately, no. First of all, you can only be uh, venturing into one dungeon at a time, as you mentioned. Uh, but venture into the Undercity is specific to the Undercity, so uh, you cannot use uh, the initiative to venture into other dungeons. 
Okay. Which is very strange, like, because, like, I don't think there's a lot of people who are playing with a lot of the, the dungeon mechanics, but, like, they, now we have two adjacent dungeon mechanics, and they don't interact with one another, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like, I can understand not using the old venture mechanic to, imp to enter into the Undercity. I get that. Sure, it's fine. But if you're already in a dungeon, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense that you can't complete the dungeon you're currently working your way through. So now you end up conceivably having your character in two dungeons. You're in the Undercity because you have played a, a, an initiative card. And you likewise next, and you also have a card that said, I venture into the dungeon. I, I like, well, if, if you're already in the Undercity, you can use a venture into the dungeon card to advance. Oh, I can. But that's, oh, I can but I, yeah, but I, just I, not the other way around. Right, but, it's, but I have to be in the Undercity first. Anyway, it seems to be right. very strange. Um, I also feel like it's a bit of a flavor fail um, because, like, <laughs> well, think about it. If you've already played a venture to the dungeon card, and now you've now you've gained the initiative. You conceivably, you, like think about it. You have a character who's in the dungeon, and now they've undercity, and now they're going into a second. Like, how do you be in two places at once? How do you be in two places? It doesn't work. Anyway, the rules are the rules, and that's fine. Willing suspension of disbelief. But like from a flavor standpoint, I'm like. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, if you're already in a dungeon, you, you can't venture into the Undercity. So if you get the initiative, that just doesn't happen. Oh, I'm sad. Yeah, you can only be in one place at a time, unfortunately. Sadness you know, physics. Oh, sadness resolves. Goes on the stack and resolves. <laughs> All right. Um, next, we have... Um, so uh, that's clear as mud, I'm sure, for everybody. Um, anyway... <laughs> Um, but think of it like the monarch meets dungeons. They had a baby, and now you have a cool, a, a cool undercity to go play in. Um, right. Next, love lots of dragons, lots of dragons. Not really a mechanic, but lots of dragons. Oh boy! Because you know some of dungeons those dragons, and dragons. Oh boy! Some of those dragons, man. Some of those dragons. Now, all I'm going to say, as I've said it before, I'm going to say it again: those elder dragons are a flavor fail. Holy, why are they Elder Dragons and not Legendary? Damn it, why are they not Legendary? That is odd. Is that the first time they've done Elder Dragons that aren't Legendary? Yup, they're the only ones that aren't Legendary, because every other Elder Dragon mm. has been a Legend. That is weird. I did my homework on that one, because that one's weird. And, of course, we got Gates, because we're in Baldur's Gate. We get some Gates, we get some fun Gates. Um, again, not a mechanic say really um they do give us like a cool like nykthosy sort of gate in baldur's gate which is kind of fun um it makes mazes end infinitely better because now one of the problems with mazes end previously if you were trying to aim for the mazes end win if somebody stoned rained one of your lands to prevent you from getting the mazes end win you felt unbelievably sad you worked all that all that hard to to build your like your death trap of bad gates with, with the slowest mana base on the planet and now you get stone rain and you didn't have a tenth gate to go and find well now you do and you have a whole bunch of new gates to play and you can play gates and you should play gates if you want to do th fun things like um, the the red wrath that burns everybody, or gate uh, gate colossus, and 
all the fun big stuff with gates anyway <laughs> isn't there is there that legend I, I think i opened a legend that was uh like nine fingered something or, or what yeah, he had a gate ability yeah nine nine fingers keen i believe or something yeah like yeah, that. yeah that guy nine fingers keen that's the one right yeah, yeah. um which is paid ward uh, aka uh hexproof because pay nine life means no one's targeting it uh, whenever yep. nine figures keen deals combat damage to a player, look at the top nine cards of your library. You may cut it. You may put a gate card from among them onto the battlefield. If you control nine or more gates, put the put the rest into uh, into your hand. Otherwise, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. The problem becomes like you're playing in Sultai, and there isn't like gates. It almost inherently needs to be a five color strategy um, for it to be good. Like. I don't know how many like you could play how many gates you're going to get to play with nine with nine fingers keen. If you get uh, pretty much, you have to get all of them into onto the battlefield in order to be to get to make that work. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. But if you have a but if you have a five color strategy, you now have access to the original ten gates plus whatever else is in Baldur's Gate, so you can now get away with with your Mace's End kill a little bit more mm-hmm. easily. You're still the slowest win ever, but it's it's achieve, <laughs> it's achievable. Um, okay, and then we have Myriad. Um, tell me about Myriad. This is a returning mechanic, but people may not have seen it. Um, so what does it do? So Myriad is essentially, the flavor is that your creature with Myriad can attack in all directions at once. So the way this happens is when your creature attacks an opponent, uh, for each other opponent they didn't attack, you may create a token that is a copy of that creature that is attacking uh, a different opponent. So let's say you have three opponents, and you have a creature with Myriad that attacks, you know, the person on your left. You have the option of creating a token for the person directly in front of you and the person on your right uh, that is tapped or that is attacking those players. Uh, at the end of combat, those tokens are exiled. Which, um, again, is a super cool ability, everybody. Um, particularly if you can find things with cool end of the battlefield triggers, um, those are that's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a really powerful enchantment uh, from this set uh, that is gives all your creatures myriad, which is kind of absurd, um, like borderline insane. Uh, I what's the name of the card? I, I I'm going to find it because I think the card is can't find it right now. Ah, but also Blade of Cells can do it too. You can give things that don't normally have ETBs ETBs um, by making tons of tokens, which all seems like fun to me. Um, and then we have Adventures, which are back. Um, they are from they were originally from Throne of Eldraine. So tell us about Adventures. So Adventures are two spell uh, a version of the double spell card. Uh, the way an adventure works is it has there is a, a spell that has an adventure spell stapled to it. You can cast the adventure spell, and when the spell resolves, the adventure goes into exile, uh, and then yeah, you can cast the, the the other spell from exile. Yeah. First time around when we saw this mechanic, it was only on creatures, um, so you would have a spell to cast. Like Bone, uh, Bone Crusher Giant would have oh, yeah. Stomp, uh, so you could pay like the bad shock 
which you played anyway because the card was absurd. Uh, and then you could then cast the creature. Now, this time around, you're seeing it on other things, other permanents, including artifacts. There's a there's an axe that can has like a that has like a double strike uh, ability where you can give a creature double strike, and then you can play it as an artifact and then equip it, and then it gains uh, creatures that are attacking get twice their power or whatever, which like seems like a terribly derpy card. Like don't get me wrong, but um, anytime you get like a built-in two for one out of these cards, as we saw with the original um, adventure mechanic, it's really potent. Like, even if they're substandard spells, you're getting twice the versatility out of them, and that's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's basically having two cards instead of one. I yes. mean, it's, it's card advantage like crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And then once the card goes into exile, like, you've cast it, if it, if it, if it doesn't get countered, you now have a card that can't be touched. They can't make you discard it. That's one of the things, like, there are very few ways to interact with cards in exile like that, that um, Wizards has really taken to playing with. And it's, I'll be honest with you, I wish they did let us play, like, attack someone's exile zone. I think the only cards that allow us to attack someone's exile zone like that are the processors from Battle for Zendikar. And I'm not even sure if they will allow you to take a card from Exile, like a spell like that, and put it into their graveyard so they can't activate it in that way. I think it works that way. But, like, I wish Wizard, as someone who wishes I could interact with and have a way, like, I don't want a lot of ways. But if I know I'm playing in my meta, I have a guy who's sitting on an Adventures deck, like, it'd be nice to know that I've got recourse to go and defend against adventures by making him like by processing his things. But anyway, that's me just waxing poetically about like how I wish wizards would let me interact with every phase of the game. I have also said now for years, I wish I wish they let me destroy people's emblems. I'm waiting for the day that I can destroy a planeswalker emblem. And they've never they haven't done it to me yet. But I would love to have it happen because nothing frustrates me more is than when somebody's stupid emblem win beats the table. I feel like we should have some way to be able to actively fight that, even if it's just some one bad card, and I can stick it in my deck as a silver bullet, and I can't do it. It drives me, it drives me crazy that they have they have the design the, the design space to do it, and they won't let me do it. But that's just me as a player complaining anyway (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's all the mechanics some cool stuff there um if you haven't checked out some of these they appear quite prominently in some of the pre-cons i know for instance there is a a whole red green themed uh exile deck uh exit from exile which is like where like a number of the adventure cards pop up uh, and they're pretty cool um, the initiative is like it's kind of neat. So there's lots of cool, cool things to to play around with with these uh, with these mechanics, um, and it makes it kind of fun. Let's get to some specific questions. You down? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, number one, we're gonna go to this myriad mechanic again. So Battle Angels of Tear is a um, very powerful mythic from this set. And I would argue that it's, you know, if you're looking to build uh, a mid-rangey 
creature based deck. This is like a, 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 in white. This card is very, very, pro, very, very, very prominent because it's got it's a four four for four with flying a myriad, and uh, whenever Battle Team Angels of Tear deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. If that player has more cards in hand than each other player, then you create a treasure token. If that player controls more lands than each other player, and then you gain three life. If that other player has more life than each other player. Which you could get a lot of triggers off this. You could do a lot of crazy things. Here's my question, though. I, is there a way to trick the game into letting me keep my tokens with something like extra combat steps? Um, because, like, like with Morog or Combat Celebrant, I could chain together multiple combat steps and allow me to, like, sort of snowball my angel tokens into, like, like angel insanity. So does it, like, does Murian allow me to, to, to snowball those, uh, those uh, extra tokens together, or do I have to exile them at each combat phase? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Myriad is actually an ability that sets up, uh, it has both an ability and it sets up a delayed trigger. The delayed trigger uh, occurs when you enter the end of combat step and at an end of, end of combat step. So that means that any time that you end combat, that delayed trigger happens, and that delayed trigger is where the exiling occurs. So anytime you enter the end of combat, you're going to have to exile the tokens that were created with Myriad. In other words, you can't snowball with extra combat steps. There, there is a way that you can keep your tokens, though, if that's what you want to do. Okay, uh, and okay. that would be, Tell me more. if you enter the end of combat step, uh, the delayed trigger fires and places the exile ability on the stack. Uh, while that ability is on the stack, if you can respond to it by ending the turn, then the stack is cleared and that trigger will not happen again so the tokens that were created stay in play. All right, so that's that's interesting. Now, okay, so the obvious way to do it there, folks, is um, like using Obeka, Brute Chronologist. So Obeka is a, from the original Commander Legends, it's one, a blue, a black, and a red. And it says, tap, the player whose turn it was may end the turn. Um, however, there is a few other ways that you can do this. There's an artifact that I can't think of the name of right now, but it allows you to end your turn. Uh, there's also a couple of spells that I believe, like there's a blue one that got printed in like M20 or M19 that will make you end your turn. So there are ways you can trick the game into allowing you to end your turn at the combat phase, and so you don't lose the tokens, if, that, if that's what you want to do. So like I've been thinking about this because I kind of feel like Myriad's one of these mechanics, if they're not careful, then they could, it could be broken quite badly. Um, my next, other part here is, so these combat-related triggers from Battle Angels of Tear, can I double up on them with, with like, things like Strionic Resonator or, and Lithoform Engine? Like, do they meet the condition of, of, the, of the Strionic Resonator? Because, like, Strionic Resonator says, copy target triggered ability you control. Would me dealing combat yes. damage allow like meet the condition? Uh, so Myriad is a triggered ability. Uh, if if uh, you enter combat with no, or you it's, put it's, a, a, it's not the Myriad trigger. Although I, that's cool. You're telling me if I use Stranic Resonator on on the on the at the at the juncture where 
my battle angels here are going to trigger the myriad, I could get twice the number of tokens? That's right. Oh. Baby. Okay. But no, I was referring to when it deals combat damage to a player. So does oh. that clause, whenever battle angels of tier deals combat damage to a player, could I double up on yes. those triggers with Strionic Resonator 2? Yes, you can. Those are also triggered abilities. Oh, so you're, so folks, your new best friend is Trionic Resonator. Does Lithoform Engine read the same way? I think it might. I believe it does, yeah. Uh, copy, target, activated, or triggered ability you control. So you could do the same thing with Lithoform Engine as well. So yep. that sounds like fun. <laughs> yep. And, and think about it. Once you've doubled up on the trigger, uh, you can then end your turn so you keep on the tokens. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, have I just gone to Magical Christmas Land? I sure did. But we play Commander, and sometimes Magical Christmas Land comes to happen. Um, all right, that sounds like fun. That, I, I like that sound of that. Um, it's a little unfortunate that I can't snowball them together, but I understand. Um, it's, it, that's me being greedy, I think. And I'm probably appreciative of the fact that they can't because I'm sure some opponent I'm going to play is going to try and do the same thing. And then I'm going to be able to laugh at them and say, no, 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 no. Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Alundo the Seer. So Alundo is a weird one. It was a brick of text. Two green, blue for a 3-5 legendary creature human shaman. Cap. Draw a card, then exile a card from your hand, and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. So, um, this sounds like suspend but it's not suspend is it that's right it uh it has every sort of hallmark of the suspend mechanic uh the only thing that it that it doesn't have is of course the name suspend uh which means that the cards that are in exile with time counters on them put there by this card are not suspended so which is so folks there's a lot of people out there that are like thinking like Oh, I'm just going to clock spin these and take the counters off, and I'm going to go. Careful, they're not suspended. They're in exile. And so when clock spinning says, choose a counter target permanent or suspended card, not suspended. It's in exile. And that's why all these cards don't work. There's a whole bunch of them that I was really hoping would work. So Time Bender, Dust of Moments, they all talk about removing time counters but off of suspended cards, not off of cards in exile. Which makes me very sad, because there'd be all sorts of fun ways to trick this guy right out and do silly shenanigans with Alundo, and now you're stuck doing the pedantic, like, you have to, now instead you have to go with Alundo, audience, is to find a way to tap and untap him a, n- a number of times, so you have to play like freed from the real and puppet strings and hidden uh, the 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 cipher card 
from Geek Crash that was so terrible, but Hidden Strings, um, that allow you to tap and untap a Lundo to remove multiple counters in a turn instead of... Because otherwise you're... a The problem in a commander game is you're not going to get too many chances to untap with a Lundo to do this in, on consecutive turns. Like, most, turn, most games in Commander are over by turn 12. If your Alundo comes out on 4, you can't use it until 5, and then the first time you put a spell down, like, you need to find ways to get counters off your stuff, stat. So, the cards that say remove counters off suspended cards don't work. Heck, suspend cards don't work, right? Like, I can't, um, what's the, what's the, like, oh... Something without a, without a mana cost, like Living End, doesn't work with this, does this? Uh, actually, it does say, then remove a time counter from each other card you own in Exile. It doesn't say they have to be suspended or not suspended. It just says time counters from cards in Exile. Okay, but if, so, I, but if I have a Living End in hand, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't use a Lundo to play or like to put Living End into... into uh, into exile because it's got no casting cost. Uh, you can put it there, but it doesn't get any time counters. And so it's never coming so it out. Never comes back. That's why. <laughs> so I can do it. It just doesn't work. And so right, exactly. So you can do it, folks, but it's never going to work the way you want it to work. And so you may as well not do it. So anyway, cool card. Not that doesn't lead you down the path you think it's going to lead you down. Now you end up having to go the route of like tap on tappy shenanigans instead of time countery suspend mechanics shenanigans. Anyway, basically, yeah. Fine. It makes me sad again because like we haven't had a fun suspend control like commander since Joyra. I kind of want to have one because it'd be kind of cool. Kind of cool. It'd be worth building for giggles. But like tap and untap shenanigans in blue green is decidedly less cool. Like that's kind of what blue green does. Like yep. think about this plus seedborn muse is like uh, obvious synergy. Uh, and you're gonna think <laughs> you're clever because you just put a seedborn muse in your deck and it's good. Who knew? Who knew seedborn muse was good? Wait, everybody knew. Who could have? So, who could have known that? Yeah. Anyway, okay, next. We have Abdel Adrian Gorio's, Gorion's Ward. This card is weird. Okay, five and a white for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature human warrior. When Abdel Adrian Gorion's Ward, that's a mouthful, enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you control until Abdel Adrian leaves the battlefield. Create a 1-1 one, one white creature soldier token for each permanent exile this way. And it has choose a background. So uh, I think this card is kind of scary. Now, it Abdel, what is this card again? Abdel Adrian. Ugh. Oh, that's why, because I can't, I can't type. Ha 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 ha. Okay, so Abdel Adrian, um, this reads similarly to um, to World Gorger Dragon. 
right? Like this, like flickers things in and out of play, sort of the same way uh, World Gorger Dragon does, correct? Yes. So if you're not familiar with the way World Gorger Dragon works, this is sort of how Abdel Adrian works. So um, when Abdel Adrian comes into play, um, sorry, I'm mistake. If Abdel Adrian is in your graveyard, you can then use Reanimate uh, or Animate Dead with it. Bring it out of your graveyard. You can then use Abdel's Enter the Battlefield trigger to target a whole bunch of things you want to blink, um, including the uh, Animate Dead. So you blink the Animate Dead. Abdel Adrian doesn't have it anymore, so it goes back to your graveyard. And when it goes to your graveyard, the Animate Dead comes back into play. You target Abdel again. Back he comes. And you can do this infinitely. If I'm not mistaken, is that how that that works, right? Uh, Yes, that's right. Okay. And the reason this is cool and why it's desirable, which seems like it sounds uh, beyond the fact that you can make a very large army with Abdel Adrian, like, which is kind of ridiculous, um, is the fact that you can do things like if you're partnering this with somehow you've got this in a uh, a Mardu deck, you could have Perforos on the battlefield, and you could literally just make infinite end of the battlefield triggers of Abdel coming in and out of play and kill the table. Alright, that's that's like obvious point number one. But you can do something like uh if you have a Kodama of the East Tree uh in the in, available to you, you can then create like an arbitrary large large number of uh Triggers with Kodama of the East Tree, and you can do something like Asarak, which is the Archlich from uh, AFR that bounces it to your hand, and you can keep bouncing it to your hand over and over and over again. Um, and you make a lot of people dead because you have infinite uh, trips through the dungeon and lots of value. So these are like CEDH lines of play, folks, that you can you can implement if you really care about and. None of them are particularly expensive. Like, Kodama of the East Tree, I think, is, like, under $5 right now. Asura Rack's a little expensive. Per, as like, I think it's still under 10 I think. Uh, it's, like, 10 bucks right now. You can get a copy for 6 So it's, like, a $6 card. Um, Perforos is the only expensive card out of this whole shenanigan. Uh, and Animate Dead is... It's five bucks as well. So you can do a lot of, you can do a lot worse. So yeah, think like CEDH lines of play. If that's what you want to do, Abdel Adrian Gorian's ward is the guy for you. Seems really complicated though, doesn't it? All right. It's really complicated. I mean, it's commander, right? I mean, that's kind of what you do in commander. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah, if you want to be a big old douche nugget. There you, that's, that's how you do it. Like that's <laughs> that's the way. Okay, we have uh, Miracle Lord of Bones. This guy's kind of neat, and I, I I have a copy of him my in my my packs I've already opened from the set, and I think I have another one coming. It's part of the box break that was done the other night. Um, that, that, that you did, Liam. But anyway, um, so let's read Miracle Lord of Bones. As long as your life total, sorry, four white, black, green. So Abzan colored, seven, five, God. 
As long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total, Miracle Lord of Bones is indestructible. When another, whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token as a copy of that card, except it's an enchantment and loses all other card types. So this plus Devoted Druid makes infinite mana? Question mark? It, I think it does. Right? Uh-oh. Where'd Liam go? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh! He's back! Are you back? Did you mute yourself? Did you mute yourself with the mic? I don't know. Is that better? There, I got you back. Okay. So, Miracle Lord of Bones plus Devoted Druid make me infinite mana? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe that when Devoted Druid becomes an enchantment that is long, no longer a creature, then putting minus one, minus one counters on it won't kill it. So, feel free. Hot. Keep tapping that guy. Biggity. So I know every green mage out there is just going to love that. Who knows what you're going to do? I, I know what you're going to do with it. All right. You're all going to go find the biggest like, uh, devastation, whatever the big green um, from War of the Spark, where you're just going to go find something humongous, give all your creatures huge, and kill the table. Like that's what you do with. Um, Oh, what am I thinking? Is it Hour of Devastation? It's not Hour of Devastation. You know the one I'm thinking about, right? There, Liam, the the big green Devastation. Oh, I'm down. To uh, you, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna. I'm so annoyed at myself <laughs> right now because the card. All, all I can think of is Vornclex with uh, with Myriad. So, you know. Wow, you you're a bad person. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You went. You went to Vorinclex. The rest of us are not. Okay, finale of devastation. That's the one. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. You're gonna go and cast the biggest finale of devastation you could possibly find, um, and 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 just make someone cry. That's what you're doing <laughs> with devoted druids. Um. Anyway, okay. Uh next, Gale Waterdeep Prodigy. Uh, two and a blue, legendary creature, human wizard. It's a 1-3. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, you can cast up to one target card of the other type from your graveyard. So if you cast an instant, you, you can cast a sorcery from your graveyard. If a spell cast from your graveyard this way would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead, and you can choose a background. So it's like kind of like a Snapcaster-esque effect. Um, now... With this, does it care about timing restrictions? Yeah, because it doesn't mention that you can ignore timing restrictions, uh, then they will still come into play. Yes. So I can just... It does care. It does care. So, like, if all all my opponents turn, if I cast a counterspell, and there's a sorcery in my graveyard, I can't go cast the sorcery from my graveyard because the timing restriction still prevents me from doing that. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's disappointing. Uh, um, (laughs) 
Um, but I and I still have to pay for the card. I still have to pay it. It's not like it comes out for free. It's not like um, the the blue. Oh, I'm drawing so many blanks. From Kaladesh, the blue big colossus that like blink, you can cast like instance for free out of your graveyard. Oh, I'm gonna go find it now. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I love that guy. He was in my in my uh, obviously my spellslinger deck. Uh, man, something I, colossus. You, you, you got that right. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> find it because I think the card is again is tons of fun and people. Or maybe looking for it. So I'm Kaladesh. Let's go sort for mythics. And it is Gear Hulk. It is the Torrential Gear Hulk. That's the Torrential one. Torrential Gear Hulk. So, yes. but I, with Gale, I have to pay for it. True? Yes. No, yes. You still have to pay any costs. And I can do fun. I can copy those spells further with Illusionist Bracers, right? Sure. Oh, of course. Boy. And then I. you're casting. Then I can get all the Magecraft triggers, and I can have... Oh, I'm going to... Well, that's what that deck does. Oh, Magecraft. That's what that deck does. <laughs> it plays it, it, Pyromancer's Goggles and all those fun things to copy all the things. And then all the Magecraft triggers, and then you just have a ball. All right. Oh, okay. This next one is not really a rules question. It's like, how's the best way to handle it? So here's the card, Call the Void. And these are the cards that cause people inordinate amounts of confusion and problems and causes yelling at the table so five and a black sorcery call of the void each player secretly chooses a creature they control and a creature they don't control and those choices are revealed destroy each creature chosen this way so what's the best way like not necessarily just this card but there's been a number of other instances in, in some of the multiplayer sets where you have to choose something somebody else controls secretly what is your advice to players so that we don't end up having yelling matches and make everybody angry at each other um, about this whole process of selecting something secretly? So I would say the best, uh, the best way to avoid those sorts of yelling matches is to follow the rules to the letter. First of all, when it says each player secretly chooses, uh, that choice happens in order of active player and then turn order. So passing to the left, active player goes first. Right. And as, as far as secrets, uh, the general advice that judges give about having secret choices is to have a sticky note or a note card or something that you can turn face down, but keep in view of the other players. So that's the main thing. Uh, write it down, turn it face down so it's a secret, and make sure that that is in view of the other players at all times. Yeah, um, I've seen this sort of card go terribly awry as someone... I didn't write it down because like, oh, I don't need to write it down, right? And then rest the table, let's let it slide. And then all of a sudden, the car, like something cool happened and they said, well, that's dead because I, I secretly chose it. And we're like, whoa, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, so I'm just going to like, as to avoid the pitfalls associated with these sorts of cards, do what Liam just said. Don't let your friends be slimy and like, just, oh, whatever, I'll remember it when it happens. No, no, no. Write it down, put it on a sticky note, put it on the table, and then when it comes time, yep. whenever the timing may be, turn it over and show it that you want to kill there, whatever, or whatever other the effect is. But these sorts of cards, if they're not done right, 
can cause your game to totally derail and a judge is really can't help you it's already like the judge will come and help you and make you walk it back and do it but the bad feelings have already been created so and on top of that with um people playing on spell tables still like a lot of people are still getting lots of games on a spell table um, and I think it's a feature of the game now rather than a bug. It's like it's there and it's not going away. Um, you have to make, keep that visible. Don't like take it off screen. Like keep it there so there's no accusation of you doing something dodgy with your secret pick. Oh. Yeah, like just like real life, it's not whether or not you did something shady, it's whether or not their perception is that you could have done something shady. Yeah. Right. So if you just keep it above board the whole time, you avoid that perception and the attendant problems. Absolutely, because if you don't, you're going to be called a magical a hole. <laughs> you are the magical a hole, and you deserve it because you just cheated. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but that's just me. And even if you didn't, it, you could have, and yeah. that's just not okay. Yeah. Okay. This next card, I'm not sure is weird, but I, I think it's weird. It's weird in that it's the oracle text doesn't match the card text. So we have Dining Here, Invoker Adept. And what I've been finding is that they've already had to errata this card and change the oracle text because um, people, like, they, the, the printing was done in such a way that it was not correct. Now, there's an age-old expression, Liam. Reading the card explains the card. Except, yeah. reading this card doesn't actually explain the card. You have to go to the Oracle text. What, what happened here? You know, I'm not familiar with the story of why this was changed. I've been thinking about the rules, uh, the rules consequences for this change. And the change is that uh, on the card, it reads uh, that when you next activate an ability this turn, by spending four or more mana. Uh, but the Oracle text says, when you next activate an, an ability that isn't a mana ability, this turn by spending four or more mana. So in other words, they just added the isn't a mana ability to the Oracle text. I've been thinking through this, and this is, this is non-functional. The printed text, the printed text couldn't do that anyway, because mana abilities are special, um, and they don't, use the stack so you can't copy that ability anyway because it has to be on the stack for you to copy it so i'm not sure what exactly happened here but um somebody decided to cross their t's and dot their i's i guess yeah i i don't know all i know is that i was reading notes and they said this card had been eroded already and so just making people aware uh because i don't think i would seen it been widely publicized um and consequently it could be very very misconstrued um i mean there is obviously a reason they would they would alter the oracle text i don't know why i don't i don't i don't see i don't know enough about why they would do that but obviously somebody somewhere thought it was important and we will find i'm sure we'd find the reason out eventually because it would break something but anyway They've routed it. It's fine. We're making you aware more than anything, folks. All right? It's not really a, a rules question so much as, like, just be aware. All right. Yeah. Um, then we have Displacer Kitten. Oh, <laughs> baby. 
So three and a blue creature, Cat Beast. It's a two-two with avoidance. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, and return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Um. Okay. So this is as miserable as I think it is to play against, isn't it? It definitely is. It definitely is, and I think uh, you know Pet Harmonicon is this card's best friend because um, if you're if, if you're blinking enter the battlefield values, you're just doubling triggers and making everybody else like very very sad. Yeah, I'm looking at the high synergy cards with this, and it's like things like um, Soul Herder, Ephemerate, Teleportation Circle, Eerie Interlude. Yeah. Like just all, uh, and then and then eternal witness. <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, that right. So oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So anyway, folks, um, this is just like you want to. You're playing some sort of blue counter deck, um, and you're going to blink your all the things with with your displacer kitten as you counter their stuff. So you're going to cast counter spell. And you're gonna blink your disp- your like the oh three it's a five mana two two like or your like your mole drifter for instance you blink your mole drifter over and over and over again with this thing drawing heaps of cards um mm-hmm. uh, you can like play an opt bl- and avoid a co- and avoid removal spells on board wipes and. Like this is just be miserable to play against, folks. So just be ready. Just be ready. It's the reason it's a fifteen dollar card already. It's like it's bonkers. All right. Um. Then and, and the art is super cute. I mean, you can't discount that. No, it's true. People who like cats, like it's it's super cute. Uh, seems very like far more playful and harmless than the generous get like the oh generous offering which is like the red one from eldritch <laughs> moon where like the cat is like drawing blood and turning into an eldrazi in your hands um which is decidedly less cute and far more creepy this is just a cute kitten that just blinks all your things um so yeah how a kitten is supposed to do that i don't know i don't quite well get i mean in in D and D, you know the the monster is the displacer beast, and it's actually a pretty pretty hard thing to kill because it it displaces itself all around. It blinks itself. Uh, so I think that's the flavor here. But they made it a kitten. I'm not sure why. I, I don't know. I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, and I've never so I've never really encountered this in the monster manual or anything else. So I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I can imagine if 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 is this if this thing is. Half as annoying as Dead Eye Navigator is to play against, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> like, just yeah. a nightmare. So, all right. Next, this card. This card is funny. <laughs> Bronze Walrus. What? Three mana. Walrus. Two, two. And Walrus, when Bronze Walrus enters the battlefield, scry two. And then tap, add one mana of any color. So it's a mana rock. It's a scry party. It's 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 good fun. It's trying to make three mana rocks good again. Um, now, you were saying Liam, 
you would totally rock this in limited, right? Oh yeah, this is a this is an auto included any limited deck of more than one color. Oh yeah, and even then, it's a it's a it's a three mana two two. Like it's not yeah it's, exactly it's not embarrassing. It's a three. It's a three mana two two that scries two and enters the battlefield. I mean that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's, it's not it's not a bad rate. It's not a bad body. It's not exciting. I appreciate, but it's like and then it ramps you. Yeah. So you skip from you skip from three to five on your next turn to play something scary. So, yep. Yeah. Um, now I as a commander player, I don't think this will get this will get played in commander very frequently. But you could, if you wanted to go back to the old ways, once upon a time, you could go back to the old ways and channel your inner Ninja Master or EDH Master from 20, 2015 when we all played with like lockets or not lockets, but the 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 banners from Kanza Tarkir and the Keystone Key Runes from Ravnica, like those were your mana rocks. Now you can play with Walrus. If you wanted, <laughs> but you're not going to because you're going to play with Arcane Signet instead. Is this is this the first Walrus in the game? Ooh, question. Well, let's ask um, Creature Walrus. Uh huh. Walrus. Let's have a look. What does Creature? How many Walruses do we have? Oh, there's one. This is it. Oh, there's one other walrus? No, is this is the walrus. I am oh. the walrus. <laughs> it's the I walrus. I am the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Wow. Anyway, all right, Beatles reference. I'm old. Oh, there you go. All right. Better magic first. All right, so then we have Sculpted Sunburst, which I think is a very peculiarly worded card. Three white white for a sorcery. Choose a creature you control, then each opponent chooses a creature they control with equal or lesser power. If you choose a creature this way, exile each creature not chosen by any player this way. This is like a weird wording, I think. Um, so is it possible for me to not select a creature? Does it say uh, so it, it does say choose a creature you control. So the only way to not select a creature is to cast this when you don't have any creatures you control. Okay, so what happens then? So like, let's imagine... I have a, a an empty board, and I cast Sculpt the Sunburst. Does it exile all my opponent's stuff? So it says, if you chose a creature this way, exile each creature not chosen by any player this way. No. Uh, because of that if, the little if, that means that this is going to be a no-op. So it will resolve and everything. It just won't do anything. Do, again, do anything. You are, you are going to force your opponents to choose a creature, though. I guess, I guess it's got that going for it. I guess if, if that matters. Anyway, <laughs> does not matter. This is, this is an interesting. This is like again. I don't know. This is an interesting card, and like people are going to have to. I don't know if this card is actually any good or not. It's going to take some playing around with it for people to actually establish that this card is good. Because I think I think this is a good card for a Voltron deck. I don't. I don't no? because here's the problem. This is the text. This is. Um, each opponent chooses a creature they control with equal or lesser power. If you have a Voltron deck, you have inherently created a very large creature, which means they get to keep yeah. their biggest, best, or baddest thing. You want to, sure. you want to choose a small value creature and use it, 
and then exile all their stuff. And they get left with like mm. derpy things and tokens. That that is one way to go. I feel like if you're playing against I, I don't know, maybe in the in the very few EDH games that I've played, inevitably someone's running a token deck. Oh yeah. And so sure. this is this is very bad for them, right? Yes. Yes it is. Yes it is. The slimefoot player will cry. Yeah. <laughs> like they'll just cry. Court. The Sle- the Selesnia player may not. Um yeah. but yeah, there's there's a lot of crying that's that's resulted from something like this. Again, I don't because it is conditional here, audience. I think this is Bruce talking as a card evaluation here instead of a rules, rules question. Because it is conditional, I don't think it's going to be particularly good. Um, oftentimes, these sort of conditional cards often bite you in the butt, and so you, get, you, 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 you want to remove the board, and there is a way for them to keep it, and they'll find a way, and you will lose. So, like, you're probably not going to want to play this. You're just going to want to wipe the table. Just wipe it dead. So, you know, just saying. Anyway. All right. Well, that's all the cards that I had picked out. There's 10. That's 10 sort of interesting rules rules cards. There are others, I'm sure, folks. The set is reasonably complex. um, And there's lots of text on cards to read. So um, if you are, if you are things that we missed, by all means, you can uh, Twitter, uh, get on Twitter and uh, tweet at me and let me know what we missed, what questions you wish we had asked, and we can continue the conversation there online. Um, but we're going to move to wrapping up this week's show because um, we're not going to, I'm not going to give you a deck tonight there, folks. That's too much for one show. Um, so we're going to, we're going to move to sort of, Bring it to a close and, and, and thanking Liam for his time. Uh, now, Liam, if people wanted to reach out to you with rules questions of their own, how would people do it? Well, I think uh, the place I answer the most rules questions is on the Lotus Cancel Discord. Uh, you can find that information um, right here on the podcast uh, show notes, I imagine. Yep. Uh, another way to get in touch with me would be to uh, hit me on Twitter. I'm at WRimers. Uh, that is my real name, so feel free to contact me there. All right. So if you want to get a hold of us and here on the show, whether Lux or myself, you can email us at the F Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get email. Please do so. Um, we, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at EpicEXPCast. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram using the same uh, same. Uh, handle at epic exp cast that's us on instagram as well you can find all of our decks that we have we brew here on the show on moxfield you can look under the username the epic experiment podcast it's all one word uh and you can find all of our lists uh and you can find our show each and every week on all your favorite uh podcast apps so podbean itunes google play uh, Spotify, we are on Amazon, I believe, as well, too. So all your favorite ones, we are there. So come and check us out there. Um, just help us get the word out. You know, more than anything, get the word out that we are here each and every week talking Commander with all of you. So next week, we're going to be looking at some... Uh, ca- we're going to look at some pet cards and some Modern Horizons... Nope, 
Double Masters 2 cards, uh, some previews, and see what's coming down the pipe. But until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast, signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play Magic. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next time.